This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, November 5th, 2009. I'm Caleb Brown. At Ben Chavis's charter school in Oakland, students are not entitled to a chair. They're not entitled to much of anything except the opportunity to attend the fourth highest performing public high school in California. I spoke to Chavis last month. What do you think the biggest hurdles are to scaling up successful schools? When I think about what what successful schools are able to do, it seems like uh, almost a very delicate thing to build institutions that really do function where uh, children who are out of line can be corrected, parts of the school that aren't working can be corrected, where there's a lot of flexibility to get things done. Uh, What are the big challenges that you see to scaling up successful schools? I think anyone who's interested in scaling up successful schools first must acknowledge a fact that um, public school does not want to be successful. You get paid to be a failure. If we got a kid who's not performing in Oakland, California, or L.A., or Washington, D.C., we get more money. Failing schools get more money than successful schools. So that's the public school's uh, vested interest in not being successful, a financial vested interest. Uh, The other thing about scaling up, what I found most difficult uh, in my own city of Oakland, California, is the number one problem I have is um, now we have five schools. The number one problem is the district is against us expanding. Uh, but we're, we're going to the state now. We're circumventing. I think what people have to do is, you know, go beyond the district and the county, and we're going to the state where we expect to be approved for our uh, sixth school, a middle school. Uh, uh, but I also encounter another problem. The problem in this place like Oakland or San Francisco is space. That's a major problem for us. Uh, we just don't have the space for schools, and which I find is very ironic uh, in Oakland, they have a dwindling school population, and they have extra space. I think if we could get some policy where these schools that are vacant should be given to or sold to charter schools. There's vacant schools in Oakland, but I can't get a space for our kids. One of the criticisms I hear about schools in general is that, well, we've got to do more to attract uh, the best and brightest into teaching. Uh, one of the, the examples, besides yourself, is Jaime Escalante, somebody who was established as well, who could uh, afford, in a, in a sense, to, to go into teaching. Um, when I hear that from teachers' unions, usually that's just code for we should just pay more to the teachers who are already in the system. Uh, how big of a challenge is that? as you see it. There's a lot of great people who want to be teachers. There's a lot of teachers, I mean, people who have teaching credentials and they want to teach, they want to work in education. Um, But most people are smart enough. They're not going to get involved in that uh, quagmire called public education. I would say, uh, there's, there's, I always said this, there's not a shortage of teachers. There's a shortage of teachers who will put up with nonsense. Uh, They're not going to be in a school system where they cannot succeed. These are smart people. Um, I think what we need to do is get leaders, school leaders, principals, administrators, school board members who, and they're not really leaders, to be honest, because if that was the case, American public schools would not be so bad. Um, I think what we need to do is get people who will let these quality people who want to go into education uh, get in and do their job. At American Indian, what we do is we run an ad on Craigslist. 
we'll get 75 hits in one day for a teaching position. And uh, on our ad, we say we don't want multicultural parasites. We don't want self-esteem experts. We want smart people. If you're smart and you believe all kids can do well in school with a great teacher, please apply. But if you believe in affirmative action and multiculturalism and all that, you know, we're not interested in you. Uh, and we get some great people. Do you care to expand on that at all? <laughs> if you read all these, the Journal of Higher Education, New Education Week, they also, we want people who are into multicultural diversity, self-esteem, and all this nonsense. And we're an equal opportunity employer. My philosophy is, can I say the opposite? Because they're recruiting those type of people, and it's not working. Why would I want those kind of people if it's not working for them? So I want I want to try. So I tried hiring the opposite people. And you know what I found out? When you advertise saying you want smart, dedicated, hardworking people, no matter what race or sex they are, you get good teachers. What What has been your? It, obviously, the the school that uh, schools that you've operated are successful. What do you attribute to that success aside from uh, the freedom that you have to, a uh, wide latitude you have to operate it in the direction you want. Is there anything else? Um, we have a very successful model, and our mission is very clear. We have a, a mission that says that we're going to prepare students, all students, to be good readers, good writers, good in mathematics, good in science, and the top in physical education. Everyone talks about our academic scores, but we're also number one in physical fitness, we outperform everyone in physical fitness because we're focused on our mission and nothing distracts us from that. Uh, I think that's where most schools, you know, when you go into a school and you read their mission statement and they say, we're going to prepare the whole child. I always say, where's the half child? You know, there's some nonsense. They don't really know what they're doing. Every kid in our school, every parent, every teacher, everyone associated, associated with our school knows what our goal and mission is. And we're all on the same track. We're headed in the same direction. And, um, and we know that in order to reach that point, we have to offer a lot of math, an hour and a half every day, uh, hour and a half of language arts. And every kid in our school has to run every day, a one mile. So at the end of the school year, when you look at our kids who come in when they're fifth graders, at, at the end of year, at the, by the seventh grade year, the seventh and eighth graders don't look anything like the sixth graders. Uh, physically, but mentally there's a big difference also because we had a chance to prepare them. You're talking about essentially feeding the mission and creating policies within the school that, that feed that mission. You talked about a few of those in the forum. Could you describe them? You talked about how uh, you don't necessarily uh, get a chair as, as a student in your school. Um, there's got to be consequences. Uh, you know, uh, if I'm staying, I, my wife got us a hotel at, um, at Marriott. Uh, and we had to pay a fee. Um, we check in, we pay. If we don't pay, we have to go. We don't just get to come and stay at the Marriott because I'm Ben Chavis and Marsh Amador. We have to pay. Well, kids get to come to school free. But when you come to school, in our school, there's, you, there, you have to pay also. You have to pay the price of hard work. So what I believe is every kid who comes to school, the only thing they have to do is do their homework, follow the rules, and they're going to be fine. And if they do not follow our rules... Um, by doing homework, they're going to lose their chair. If they miss more than five days, we're going to retain them. That means they're going to repeat the sixth grade or seventh grade or whatever grade it is. Now, if they're sick or in the hospital, we'll go to them. We will also, if they've been ill or something, we work it out where they can come on Saturdays. There's no really way to fail in our school. 
we've got a safety net for every angle. You know, I believe in free market capitalism. That's my bottom line. I trust free market capitalism in a school system, in any system, sports, whatever it may be. Uh, I, I don't trust most polit- I don't trust any politicians. Let's get that one right, whether they're libertarian, Republican, Democrat. Uh, I'm most critical of liberals being the fact that I'm a Democrat. I think liberals, I mean, in my party, we're just going nuts. Uh, I'm, I'm, my philosophy and reality, uh, what I agree with on education, is much more in line with the Libertarian Party. I believe, I think people should have a choice. Uh, if, uh, if you, I believe you should give every uh, citizen in the country... K through 12, a voucher to choose where they want to go to school because I know I can compete with any public or private school in America. Um, Kids already have vouchers as adults, and they can go to Stanford or they can go to MIT or Harvard or or the University of North Carolina at Pembroke. So that's a voucher system. Um, But most public schools don't want choice because they know they're doing a lousy job. They know they have a captivated audience. They know they're going to get paid to be bad. Ben Chavis is principal of the American Indian Charter School in Oakland, California. We spoke following the Cato Forum, America's Top Models, Can the Nation's Best Charter Schools Be Brought to Scale, held October 2nd. You can watch the forum at Cato.org.